UtilityMuffinLabs.com is the source for podcasts like 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, the NerdWords podcast, and the Playing Hooky podcast, to name a few. We offer gaming, music, and pop culture content, as well as graphic and audio design, voice talent, and more. Go to UtilityMuffinLabs.com to commission us for your audio needs, digital artwork, and advertising opportunities. UtilityMuffinLabs.com, consistently rated adequate. Welcome to the Playing Hooky Podcast with your hosts, Rachel and Nathan, brought to you by UtilityMuffinLabs.com, consistently rated adequate. Welcome, everybody, to the Playing Hooky Podcast. My name is Rachel. I'm Nathan. And welcome, everyone. It has been a hot minute since we did one of these, Um, not because we didn't want to, not because we shouldn't have, not because... There's only four of you listening, but because we just weren't able to get around to it. We did consume a lot of things with each other, mm-hmm. uh, media, so to speak, and meals. But um, we just had a lot going on, and we're not able to record. Yeah. Um, we went to Chicago for about a week. Um, it was a uh, visit. I am slouchy. Sorry. It was a visit with, with many um, uh, stops, and we got to visit Bob. And we got to visit family, and we got to do kind of a sad, bummery thing, which was go to a funeral, but that yeah. is part of life, you know, mm-hmm. life, death, it all happens. Um, how are you doing, by the way? Doing well? I'm doing well, yeah. yeah. I'm doing uh, incredibly well. Not only did we move, well, we didn't We didn't move. We Not only did we have to take like sort of a hiatus, a very brief one, honestly. I don't think we're too far behind in, in release. But we, like, rearranged our entire home. Yes. So, as you can see behind us, totally different background. That's because we're not recording in the same place. And, honestly, the background we were using, we can't really put on that wall. So, that wall is, like, made of brick, concrete, made of concrete. It's a very solid wall. Yeah. And uh, the background we were using was cloth. So, Mm -hmm. now we're in sort of our, our new... We didn't move to a different place. We just moved where we record to a more centralized location. And actually, not just us, but all of your recordings are now yeah. happening yeah. in this bigger space. In this room, yeah. The reason being is because our recording studio was um, in a converted sort of loft area in our uh, house. And it's summer in the Midwest, in the U.S., and it's very hot. And I think when our uh, lovely landlord, who was a very great person and a wonderful landlord, I think when he was converting this, he didn't think about, how am I going to insulate this so that it's more like a room and less like an attic? And we knew that probably something was going to be up this winter because it got pretty cold up there, but it was, like, manageable, right? You just throw on a hoodie and you're fine. But summer, you can only take off so many articles of clothing and still be comfortable to, like, type and record things and speak with people. Try to grab so, my, my, uh, my coaster here. I because, did because it keeps sticking yeah, to it keeps his cup and falling. Yeah, and I was like, I was like, oh, I need to remove this. But then Quite I was honestly, like, I also would rather you have a coaster. It's probably pretty unprofessional to be like drinking an icy beverage while we record a podcast. To see the ice rattling. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm it's thirsty. summer. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of summer, summertime is for all kinds of things. It's for uh, going outside and playing, catching lightning bugs. There's lots of ways you can play hooky in the summer. Uh, when I was a kid, one of my favorite things to do in the summer because uh, we didn't always have air conditioning was to go see movies. So that's one of the all-time favorite activities of me during summertime 
was to go to the see movies. And we've got a lot of movies to talk about. Nothing new, but all things that Nate and I were like, oh my God, you haven't seen this movie? Mm-hmm. So we, uh, we played hooky by watching a couple of these movies um, over the past few weeks. So we're going to talk about two movies today. Um, first one, we'll talk about Snatch, which is what Nathan was like, oh my God, I can't believe you've never seen it. And then I brought to the table the movie Snowpiercer, and I wasn't surprised that he'd never seen it because not many people have. Honestly, um, I'm I'm actually a little surprised. Now that I have seen it, I'm a little surprised I, I didn't see it before because it's one of those movies where now that I've seen it, I'm like... Damn, that movie is really, really awesome. Yeah, it's right up your alley. Yeah. Um, so why don't we get started with Snatch? So tell tell the folks at home a little bit about the movie Snatch and uh, why you like it so much. So Snatch is the follow-up by director Guy Ritchie, um, the follow-up to his, I don't know the date, you could probably look it up for me. But earlier. Yeah, his earlier film. Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, which I'm sure Rachel has also not seen. Haven't. Correct. But I felt that um, Snatch was probably the better made of the two films and had kind of like more more Hollywood star power. So it's kind of like the more blockbuster. I, I, I actually have always thought it was the better of the two. I like Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, but we won't get into that too much here because you haven't seen it. Well, what kind of movie is Snatch? But basically, Snatch is a... It's kind of like a heist movie in very much in the style of like a Quentin Tarantino kind of um, very elaborate story where everything kind of comes together. Um, Guy Ritchie, I think, is pretty well known. At least he was early in his career for movies that kind of told a lot of tales that sort of happened um, throughout the, the film at the same time that sort of coalesced into one right. kind precise of like, story. Kind of like parallel plots that yeah. weave together. Yeah. Honestly, it's, it is a very Quentin Tarantino style of filmmaking. And uh, it's along the same lines because... How do you mean? A, like the dis- so, so if you've ever seen Pulp Fiction, yeah. Pulp Fiction tells... A number of different tales, and, and honestly, so does Reservoir Dogs. Mm-hmm. It tells a couple of different tales um, that are happening at the same time. So mm-hmm. different characters are doing different things throughout the story, and all of those are, are impacting in one way or another the final outcome of the story. Mm. And so like characters that haven't met may at some point sort of bash heads together uh, to, to tell a a more concise tale. I th- I really like that style of movie too. That storytelling. I think that's one reason why I'm so into season three of Stranger Things. Yeah. Um, if you guys haven't seen it, I'm not going to spoil it. But um, sorry. Maybe we should just get rid of that guy. <laughs> it's a Captain Kirk coaster, and he does not want you to beam him up when you pick up that. Uh, maybe I should just start sliding. Yeah. There you go. You just we just need a longer straw. But anyway, yeah. Season three of Stranger Things is like that where. You have about like five different stories all happening at the same time, right. and they do a great job editing together so that it's not like jarring to cut from one to the other. And I'm like, as we're watching, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see how they're all connected. So, so but anyway, as, back as a to, side yeah, note, yeah. like because you've mentioned that, well, we don't really talk too much about things that are happening currently. But I think Stranger Things, the third season, it I feel just real quick, and we'll get back to what no, we're yeah, go for here it. to talk about. We're here for you. Uh, so far, I feel like. I like it much better than the second season. I haven't mm. seen the whole season all the way through. Like, I think we're only like four or five episodes in. Yeah. But with the third season, I'm very comfortable with the characters now. Like yeah. I feel uh, like a very strong connection to all of them. And it actually, it's kind of weird seeing them like 
grow up and like start to enter puberty and like see them as 15 year olds. I feel like now almost like I connect with them better, probably because they are a little bit older and because they do have like more adult like things happening to them and you know, the boyfriend girlfriend thing. I just feel like a stronger connection to them. Anyways, so far I like it, but yeah. you're not here for that. Maybe after we finish watching it and it's been out for a while, we'll do like a bonus yeah. spoiler yeah. episode of our Let our take know. on Stranger yeah. Things. If you guys if would like to hear that, if you don't care opinions on Stranger Things, then you know we won't do it. But right. hit us up on Twitter or Facebook or wherever you find this podcast. Yeah. Um, Anyway, back to Snatch. So it's a high, kind of high action movie, very intricate storyline, lots going on, crime thriller. Um, anything else you want to say about it or do you think that would be yeah, important so, to know? Yeah, um, so uh, it starts out and basically you have, um, oh God, what's the actor's name? Um, Brad Pitt, Jason Statham. Yeah, Jason Statham. So, <laughs> so I don't know um, if this is the, f- this is not the first movie because he was in Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels as well. But this is kind of like Jason Statham before he became like a big time Hollywood actor. Yeah, he looks like a baby. Like yeah. he looks quite a bit younger. He's very young. Yeah. And uh, he is a boxing promoter. Mm-hmm. And him and his pal are uh, boxing promoters in, or they're, they're coaches or something like that in um, unlicensed boxing. Right. So, so they exist in the underworld, but they basically train boxers and then take them to fight. And right. Um, they're they're in bed with a a nefarious gangster who goes by the name of Bricktop. Bricktop and Bricktop is uh, I I don't know much about like British culture, but I've always felt that he was kind of like the quintessential British bad guy. Mm. Like he's he's an old man. Like, he's just an old man with bad teeth and glasses. Mm-hmm. But like, there's something so intimidating about the way he talks. And the way he responds to things. He's like an OG gangster. Yeah. And just like the quiet calm about how he he talks. uh, Just like had me hooked immediately. And like the cadence of his voice and how like sort of verbose he is in his vocabulary. There's something that just makes him very intimidating. Yeah. And so so Turkish is. That's Jason Statham. Yeah. Jason Statham's character. His name is Turkish. He uh, he's sort of like in. He's like. He's come into a point where he's promoting his fighter against Bricktop's fighter. And, um, like, Turkish's fighters don't ever go for a fall. Like, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're known to be more honest fighters. And so, um, apropos of nothing, we, we go back to, like, where him and, and his buddy Tommy mm-hmm. are, 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 you know, training the, the, their boxer. And... Um, uh, Turkish needs a new caravan, a, right. new, a new trailer, essentially. Yeah. Um, it's kind of using the trailer as an office. Right. You know. And the one he has now is, is rinky dinky and, you know, just falling to pieces, just, just absolutely falling apart. So anyways, Turkish sends his buddy, Tommy and, um, his boxer mm-hmm. to go get a trailer from these like nomadic, what they call pikeys. Yeah, I think they don't like being called that in real life, but in they're called Irish travelers. So mm-hmm. they're sort of like Irish people who travel around in caravans, similar to the Roma. Mm-hmm. I, uh, anyways, yeah, the, I think that that the the p word is a word they don't like. So if there are any yeah. people well, listening who 
we're, whatever we're talking, are offended that's, that's by how that. They're referred, yeah. to, they're in referred the movie. to that a lot in the movie. Yeah, and and honestly, yeah. it's not really culturally a thing that we really identify with. No, but I think but if I were to hear someone in the UK just straight up drop the N word, <laughs> I would still be yeah, grating on I, my I ears. Mean, so maybe I don't, we don't know, say it. You know, I, don't I don't. We've been we've been told <laughs> by some people that that like traveler is a better word. But anyways, it's not our word. We're not using it. It's how they're referred yeah, to in, in the movie. movie. Yeah. Quite a lot and quite readily. So and humorously, yeah. I mean, if you're if you're offended by that, you know, definitely you should avoid this movie um, or take it for what it is. It's, right. a it's a movie that came out a long time ago, two thousand. Right. So it's almost twenty year old ago. movie. It was a less. Um, it was a time where people gave less of a shit. Uh, yeah, people gave less of a shit, but also I'm pretty sure almost nobody in America knew what that no. what a pikey was. No, it's 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 not something that I probably I had ever still heard before. Yeah, probably still no one knows what. That Anyways, is. Um, at the same time as this, a fellow by the name of Frankie Fucking Fourfingers mm-hmm. is um, stealing a diamond from a diamond wholesaler in Antwerp, and comes back, uh, leaves leaves Antwerp, and is advised by one of the people. He planned the robbery with to when he gets to London to look up his cousin, I believe. Cousin Avi. Uh, no, his cousin Boris. Cousin Boris. Boris the Blade to buy a gun. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Because here's a. There's important, a lot of characters right, right. in this fucking movie. Lots of plot to tie together. Yeah, we don't need to tie it all together on this podcast. But so, anyways, <laughs> Boris, the sneaky fucking Russian, is how he's referred to in the movie. Um, he gets a call from his cousin in Antwerp and he's like, Hey, this dude, Frankie's coming to town and he's got a diamond the size of like, he's like an 86 carat diamond. Right. Know, like the size crazy. of a golf ball, basically. And he's like, Get that diamond, but don't let it come back on us because then yeah. there's going to be problems. We don't want the anybody to know that the Russians, i.e., the Russian contingent of the story, are involved. So Boris, who's got the sort of demeanor of like an old KGB. Like a very like kind of um, humorous but like very brutal type of character. Mm-hmm. Um, he sells guns, so um, and all manner of stolen goods and and just nefarious stuff. And uh, we come to learn that Frankie Fourfingers has a problem with gambling. Yeah, right. And so Boris puts him up to uh, an unlicensed boxing match that's happening, where he knows who's going to win. Right. So we see where this is going. Right. Like all these little details start to to pile up and the movie goes on from there. I don't want to tell the whole tale of the movie. Yes, I don't think we should. But (laughs) (laughs) right. Right. But, you know, it goes it goes on and on. And there's, like I said, all these different characters and and, um, very colorful in in their names and Mm -hmm. uh, their behaviors. They're great characters. Yeah. It's what have made a really great book too, or like a TV series. Like I could have seen someone drawing this out now for like a full season of a show. Yeah, um, great. Also, Brad Pitt is in it, as you had mentioned. Mm-hmm. Brad Pitt plays this boxer. Um, One of Mickey. that. Yeah, Mickey One Punch. It, I don't I don't yeah. remember his last name. It's not important. He's Mickey and it's Brad Pitt doing... Mickey O'Neill. Mickey One Punch O'Neill. I yeah. wrote it down in my notes. Um, but so anyways, the, the thing about Mickey is he's he kind of is a um, well-built guy, but a smaller guy mm-hmm. and... Uh, um, you know, his trick is he's got that one knock. He punches you once and knocks you out. And so that's kind of like how things really start to fall off the rails for all the characters because caravan purchased, 
the big uh, what was the big boxer's name? I can't remember, um, but he had like gorgeous a George. Gorgeous George. So yeah. gorgeous George is the big boxer that um, gets sent with Mickey or that gets sent with Tommy to go by the caravan. Caravan falls apart because, of course, the the Pikeys are tricksters and um, kind of like con artist scammers. Sure, and that's it's, it's just a very common cultural stereotype. <laughs> it's being used there to help progress the plot yeah, of this yes, movie. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so, um, not not us. We're not making it up. This is what is yeah. being portrayed. Um, and so, gorgeous George ends up getting injured and can't fight. And then it kind of goes on from there. And then, you know, in they, dramatic fashion, all of the loose ends get tied up. Yeah, involving diamonds, dogs, um, and caravans being lit on fire. So, question for you. Yeah. Why is the movie called Snatch? I don't know. I don't either. I don't. I mean, I imagine it has to do with the dog. I think there's a dog named yeah. Snatch. I don't know if the dog's name is Snatch per se, but the dog there snatches is like a something? reoccurring theme throughout yeah. the story of a dog snatching a thing. I oh just, yeah, the dog. Like yeah, because okay, I remember when this movie came out, mm-hmm. and it was a movie called Snatch, and I was like, gross. <laughs> Ew. Why yeah. would you name your movie that? Actually, it's one of the few things that's not sort of like graphically expressed in the story is like anything sexual. Yeah, there's nothing sexual I, yeah. in this movie. I, could, I couldn't think of one thing. So in that regard, it's, uh, you know, it's it's less offensive than maybe some of the other movies of the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, as an American, like watching this movie, the things that like people from the UK might find offensive or people from Europe might find offensive wouldn't really, were lost on me. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, so you like it a lot. You've seen it a bunch yeah, of times. I mean, it's a, it's a movie that um, I would say in my teenage years I was very fond of. Honestly, it had been a very long time since I'd seen it and like rewatching it. Um, there were a lot of things that like I don't think would hold up as well if it had come out today. Probably some things that you couldn't do uh, today and then, you know, just some like accents and things that like the American actors, I'm not going to name any names, Brad Pitt, might not be so great at like doing accents. So that's the thing I, okay, so that that was one thing I knew about this movie before I had even seen it was that Brad Pitt does this um, very thick uh, Irish accent that apparently is supposed to be similar to what Irish travelers, the accents they speak with. Um really hard to understand and and you know every like everything i i read online or heard about the movie around when it came out was like oh yeah you need to almost watch this with subtitles on uh just to understand what brad pitt's saying because he does this great accent and it's so thick and then like i've heard both i've heard people say like oh yeah his accent's really on point and then i've had other people say like nobody talks like that like irish travelers don't talk like that um, so I don't know if he was just doing like a caricature uh, or or what, but yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I have no opinion on it. It was super hard to understand him. So <laughs> if that was that, that was like kind of part of his character and pl- part of the plot. So mission accomplished there. I, as far as whether or not it's a good Irish traveler accent, I have no yeah, idea. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell you one way or the other because it's not something I'm familiar with. Um, I wasn't familiar with it before I saw the movie, and I don't know any more. I've, I've done zero investigating. Um, but I think more so than, like, how it was filmed um, and, like, the I, I just like the characters. Like, the, they're very colorful, and I've found, like, 
even if it's not indicative of how the like British like criminal underworld actually is, I just found the the fictional telling of the film to be very entertaining. I've always liked how colorful the characters are. And it's a really super quotable film. I don't know if the dialogue is the most intelligent in retrospect, but it is very like colorful and um you know, like I said, like when I was referring to Frankie Fourfingers, like there's quotes in the movie where, you know, he's like Frankie fucking Fourfingers has a diamond the size of a fist. You mm-hmm. know, it's just like quotable things. So I think that when I was 19 or 20 years old, um, yeah, around that time is when it came out. I, that was like, what's not to like about that? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, I, don't, I don't think it holds up as well as like a Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs, but I still enjoy it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'll, um, I didn't hate it. Uh, I liked it. I, it was, it was fine. It was fine to have on. Uh, it didn't blow me away. Um, to your point, it's no Tarantino movie. No, it's not a Pulp Fiction. It's not a Reservoir Dogs. Like, and I, I may make some people mad, but I don't think it's as good. I mean, like it's, it's, it's a similar style. Like, you know, I could see like you like Quentin Tarantino movies, you'll probably like Snatch or Guy Ritchie movies maybe, but they're not the same. They're not as good. It's like, um, you know, you can't, Quentin Tarantino is Quentin Tarantino. No one can be just like him. I don't think Guy Ritchie's trying to be just like him, but it's sort of like similar flavors. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like, you know, you might like chocolate ice cream, but you probably have a favorite brand, right. you know, or you might like whatever, pick your, pick your vice, right? You know, cigarettes or, you know, a soda, whatever. Um, you, you're you're going to like that, but you're going to have your favorite one. And I think if I'm going to watch a movie that's pretty uh, punchy, uh, gritty, raw, high action packed, really long, you know, bits of dialogue, uh, really dynamic, colorful characters, it's, I'm going to have a hard time finding something that is even comparable to Quentin yeah. Tarantino. But I, I also think, like, like just to remove him from the example, I think that the way that this movie is filmed is very consistent with, like, early 2000s filmmaking, mm. where it is, like, gritty, you mm-hmm. know, and, like, it's, there's a lot of guns and, and, you know, firefights. It's also, it's really incredibly tongue-in-cheek. Yeah. And, like, for instance, the movie's kind of bookended with these scenes where one of the characters... Um, finds out about the diamond uh, or Frankie Four Fingers being missing, and like they do, like this very like quick cut of like him getting on the jet plane, yeah, and then him being there, and it's bookended like like that happens a couple of times in the film, mm-hmm. and I think that that like it is a it is a movie about like serious stuff, but it's done in a way where it's like very kind of tongue in cheek, right? Like there's no, I mean, spoilers. Who cares? This 19 year old movie. There are several characters who die. Kind of surprisingly and suddenly, main characters who die surprisingly suddenly in the movie, and you're not like, oh man, you're kind of like, yeah, I think he he died. The brutality is kind of like most of it is handled off screen, or done in such a way where like it is slightly comical, and the dialogue is very comical as well. Like I had said, very Mm -hmm. quotable, but quotable in a different way than Pulp Fiction was, because Pulp Fiction was never, even though it was it was directed in. A very non-linear way, mm-hmm. and and very interestingly, very differently than most movies that came out at the time. It never, it it, it was always even when it was jokey, it was always very serious. Like yes. it's happening in a real world. Yes, I think even when it's it's it, yes, exactly. Uh, I think um, Snatch is like it, it could borderline on like 
uh, you know, like action comedy, yeah. right? Borders on it. Yeah. Whereas, like, even when funny things are happening in Tarantino movies, whether it's Pulp Fiction or Reservoir Dogs, or themes that seem, um, you know, uh, like where the characters are enjoying themselves, it's always kind of like sinister. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like the guy cutting off the guy's ear in Reservoir Dogs, you know, he's got the song playing in the background and he's dancing, but it's like it's very sinister. Right, right. And um, same thing, you know, like same thing in like, uh, you know, Pulp Fiction, like, I think my one of my most my most quoted lines from Pulp Fiction is that's a tasty burger, yeah. and it's like he's being very like in that moment when he says that line, he's being very like you know sarcastic and playful, but he's about to fucking kill someone. See, the, the thing that always sticks out to me about Pulp Fiction and how that movie was made is when um, Jules and Vincent are in the restaurant mm-hmm. eating breakfast after the whole. Um, after Marvin gets shot in the face and the right. back of the, the the windshield is all covered in blood and Winston Wolf shows up and helps them clean. Right. They go through all this like terrible stuff where there are a lot of like humorous dialogue moments and then they sit down and they're having breakfast. And it's like all of that stuff shows that these people are still grounded in the real world. Right. Right. With Snatch, it's very much like a lot of like jump cuts and like quick and like so the the world of the world is kind of lost. I would say the only there's only a couple of times where like realistic ramifications uh, are are apparent in mm-hmm. Snatch, and that's mostly I found when Mickey's mother is killed. Yeah, uh, when when the caravan gets burnt, where she's in it, and again, it's a 20 year old movie, so if it's a spoiler, sorry. Um, when when she gets killed. And Mickey and all of the other, like all like his family and friends, were like holding him back. That was the only time I ever found found like there's some level of reality grounding this film. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it was it was very like kind of like it's happening in a in a cinematic world, right? Right. Not in a real world. Right. So, yeah, it doesn't it doesn't hold up to the same standards of a Pulp Fiction, but I think it's a good example of like filmmaking in the early two thousands. Yeah. That sort of crime comedy drama thing. To go back to that, um, and it could be that Brad Pitt was also in this, but there's something stylistic maybe in the color or those really fast cuts that you mentioned that does remind me a little bit of Fight Club. Yeah. A little bit. I I know it's... They, it probably again, it's just because Brad Pitt's also in that movie that it occurred to me. But also in er, a late '90s, early 2000s movie, really similar style. Yeah. Um, you can definitely see like and I'm not a film expert by any means, but you can definitely see like styles in movies that are very like, uh, and we'll get into that in Snowpiercer a yeah. little bit. Like you know the whole like born identity, shaky cam stuff yeah. for fight scenes. Like that was a whole trend and theme that seems to have thankfully died out. Yeah. And like those really fast cuts like in Snatch, seem to have kind of fallen out of style a little bit. So. Yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, it's just a systematic trend. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, I think that, um, you know, David Fincher did influence a lot of filmmaking in the late 90s and early 2000s, as well as Quentin Tarantino. And mm-hmm. um, what's I always forget the name of that movie with the two assassin brothers. Do you know what I'm talking about? Give me more plot details. They're, they're two brothers. They're Irish. They're in Boston. And oh, Boondock Saints. Yeah. So Boondock Saints, that's another one where yes, there's similar. like a direct, it's like a one degree of separation from Kevin Bacon. Um, personally, very similar to like Snatch or Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels. 
Um, but not good in my opinion. I, I'm you didn't just, like Boondock Saints? No, Boondock Saints is a terrible movie. Well, I feel like every boy I knew in college had a Boondock Saints and or a Pulp, fact, pulp Fiction and or a... Donnie Darko was uh, another one that would have fit into that category. Maybe, but I'm thinking of like posters that dudes had on their walls. The like crow. everybody had, no, not the crow, <laughs> but everybody had like a fight club. Um, I had two. A, a uh, yeah, like a Boondock Stock Saints or a Pulp Fiction poster on yeah. there. Or Reservoir Dogs. It was like if yeah. you were a man um, between the ages of like 16 and 25 would, in the early 2000s, you had one or all of those posters on would, some wall would, in your house or apartment. Would like an insane clown posse poster also like fit into this? No. No? No. 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 Okay. I was just curious. I, no. I wasn't sure. Like, no, I'm just thinking like those movies. I, I didn't associate with people that had ICP whoa. posters on their wall. Whoa, she's making oh, I, stern I'm talking, judgments. I'm, I'm just curious. Of, I'm talking about when I went to college. Oh, when you went to college. Okay, yeah. I thought you meant high school. No, 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 no. I'm pretty sure. Anyways. I, yeah. I, I may have, I, I don't think I had any friends that were, you know, juggalos or juggalettes in mm-hmm. high school. I could be wrong. Yeah. I, I don't Nobody know. If, I, I don't know everybody's life. Fair enough, fair yeah. enough, fair enough. Um, All right, so what was the other movie? The other saw? movie was Snowpiercer. So that was something that I brought to the table. Um, I saw, I happened to see that uh, at least at the time that we watched it last month, it was on Netflix. And I was like, oh my Damn God, it. have you ever seen this movie? We just need to put that away. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm willing to have the ring stains. <laughs> or maybe flip it the other way. Oh. I bet that'll work. Yeah, with the, <laughs> I bet that'll work. Um, <laughs> it takes two of us. <laughs> Yeah, we're we're smart. Anyway, um, so Snowpiercer was on Netflix, and I suggested that we watch it because I liked it a lot, and it's really really good. So Snow Snowpiercer is a movie that came out in 2013, um, and it is a sci-fi futuristic dystopia action movie, um, and it is um, it was it was made in Korea. The director is a Korean director uh, named. Um, Bong Joon Ho, I think Bong Joon Ho, and he, um, when he was in college, he went to this like comic book store and he picked up this graphic novel and he couldn't put it down. And the graphic novel uh, was this French graphic novel called I think it's pronounced La Transpiercinage. Um, I can't speak French, um, but anyway, it's by Jacques Loeb. And essentially, this this graphic novel was what, um, or the series was what Snowpiercer is based off of. So essentially, the idea is is that um, climate change has ravaged the world such that the only thing um, that scientists can think to do is to shoot this chemical into the atmosphere that sucks up all the car- extra carbon, uh, which is you know an actual thing that you know, people are talking about doing now, um, not a chemical necessarily, but you know, like, well, let's plant more trees and try to get some of the carbon out of the air and things like that. But anyway, um, and the side effect of this that no one expected would happen is that it caused like a, an apocalyptic winter on a winter so bad and so cold across the whole entire globe that everybody died. Well, except, um, there was this, uh, sort of crazy rich madman who um, was obsessed with transportation and travel. And he built a, tr- his goal uh, since childhood was to build a train that w- and a train track that would go all the way around the world. So he built the, and, and because he wanted it to go all the way around the world, Antarctica and the South Pole and the North Pole, everything, um, it could withstand extreme temperatures. And so right about the time that like everyone's like, oh shit, uh, what are we going to do? We like ho- totally fucked up the planet. It's super cold now. We're all going to die. 
um, he starts allowing people to purchase tickets onto his train. And so the train is this massive train called Snowpiercer. And um, I don't know how many cars there are in the train, but probably like hundreds. And it goes all the way around the world. And um, each car in the train has, you can get into different cars in the train depending on the type of ticket you purchased. Well, obviously not everybody in the world could afford um, to purchase a ticket. So the people at the very back of the train were kind of let on for free. And then what's happened over like 20 years of this train just going around the planet is that like a, a class of society has developed and this train has developed a whole ecosystem. And so the premise of the movie is that, you know, the people at the back of the train are being repressed, but they're also just like being like, they're just atrocities happening. They're being abused. Yeah, it very much re reminded me of like the Titanic, like mm. uh, the concept of the Titanic. You know, you have like your yeah. your sort of um, your urchin types and like, you know, people who couldn't afford your stowaways living in the very bottom or the very back of the train. Right. And um, the way that uh, like it made sense to me was, well, you know, then the, as far as you like the further along in the train you get the more wealthy those people must right, be. Right, the better, your, more expensive your ticket was. But to, to kind of like the the train over like the course of 20 years of circling the planet has developed this whole society. And um, the, the man who created, invented the train, his name is Wilfred. He owned the Wilfred Corporation. And so Wilfred has like sort of like, he's sort of like a figurehead in this culture. And um, there are a lot of like weird sayings on the train and just like cultural thought of like, you know, you stay in your section of the train, every part of the train and every purpose on the train has their, has their, their utility. And, you know, the people at the head of the train are like the hands of the body and the people at the, the, the back of the train are like the feet and you wouldn't put a glove on your foot and you wouldn't try to wear a shoe on your hand. Everyone has their perfect place. Like, and so that's sort of a theme throughout the movie. And it's like foreshadowing, um, to sort of like a big reveal towards the end. I think we should avoid spoilers on this because probably not as many people have seen this yeah. movie. Um, but again, it came out in 2013. It was, um, filmed and produced in Korea. I think, there was another place in Europe where there was also some filming, but it's a Korean movie um, based off of a French graphic novel, but it has an international cast. So it stars Chris Evans, who plays the main character, Curtis. Um, there's also, I think, a relatively famous um, Korean actor named Song Kang-ho, um, who plays like an engineer who sort of helped design some of the locks on the train and some of the... Um, different computer components. He becomes an important character in the story. And then Tilda Swinton, I mean, it has some big names in it. Yeah, Tilda Swinton, yeah. she plays sort of like a governor or a minister on the train who tries to keep people in line. Um, then there's, there's Gilliam who's played by John Hurt. And he's sort of like, um, like, uh, uh, a mentor for Curtis, the main kind of, character. Uh, kind of reminded me of like an old tribal leader. Yeah, yeah. Old tribal. And I think this, I think I could be wrong. I think this was one of the last movies John Hurt, um, was in before he passed away. 
Um, so John Hurt, if you don't know, he was in, you know, Hellboy movies. Uh, he was also, you was know, in really? Aliens. Yeah. I he was in Hellboy. I'm pretty sure he was in Hellboy. Let me Google that yeah, really quickly. I'm not, I'm not sure. Well, I'm, I don't know if you're right or wrong on that. I, I'll, I'll I, check it out in a second. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure he was he was in Hellboy. Um, and then Wilfred, the main villain, is played by Ed Harris. And um, I think Who really... Ed Harris? <laughs> no. uh, yeah, <laughs> played by Ed Harris. Just look it up. Yeah. Um, but I think he did a great job playing a villain, which I don't, I don't think I'd ever seen him, or I couldn't remember seeing him playing a villain in any other movie. Oh, did you ever watch Westworld, the show? Oh, you're right. But I saw that. After he did Snowpiercer. Yeah, fair enough. Fair so enough, yeah. maybe that's part of why he was like cast in that is because yeah. he played such a good villain in Snowpiercer. Maybe, maybe. But, but um, uh, yeah, that uh, Ed yeah. Harris is awesome. So anyway, uh, I saw this movie. I, I only heard about this movie just through happenstance. Um, it had a very, very limited release in the United States. I think it would probably had, uh, it was released um, for maybe a couple of weeks in the summer of 2013 in Los Angeles and New York. And then... Um, the the nerd fan base of the comic book and perhaps of the Korean filmmaker I think kind of spread the the word across the internet and in certain cities and certain markets it opened for one day only in the summer of 2013 and I just happened to hear about it because I'm kind of a fan of like um, graphic novels and like literary graphic novels and autobiographies and I think I followed someone on Twitter or something and someone mentioned it and I like just started investigating it I'm like oh this movie looks awesome and so I just found out about it just the right time to get tickets to go see it there was almost nobody in the theater and it was like playing for two shows on a Saturday in Indianapolis like one day in July of 2013 and I loved it. It was great to see in the theater, and I'd say it's probably one of my favorite movies of the of the teens of the twenties teens. Right, um, really, really good. Uh, and I think Chris Evans doesn't get. I don't think people think of him as like, oh, Chris Evans is a great actor because it's like he plays Captain America, which although he does a great job, Captain America isn't always seen as the most dynamic and exciting character. Um, he can come across a little one note because he's such a good guy, right? I disagree. Well, some people would think that. <laughs> you can disagree, and I'm not saying that I think that that's true, but it's like most people are like, yeah, Chris Evans, he's a good-looking guy who plays Captain America. You may not think of him as being like an astounding actor, but he is. Like, he's amazing in Snowpiercer. He he he, he has some on-screen cries. He plays a very good hero. He plays a very good, like, just sort of complicated hero. Um, but anyway, what did you think of it? Well, to piggyback off of your point about um, Chris Evans, it, it was interesting to see him in a movie where he wasn't a superhero because it had been so long mm. since I had seen him in any role. And uh, in fact, I'm trying to think of anything I, I had seen him in before where he wasn't either Captain America or um, in the Fantastic Four, uh, Human Torch. Right. Because he, he's, he's played... And uh, the only other one that I can think of was... Um, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh, he was in that, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was one of the evil ex-boyfriends. So it was weird to see him in a movie where he wasn't playing a superhero or like something similar to that. And uh, I was like, oh, damn, he's awesome. Like watching him in this movie, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I'm glad that he's going to maybe get the opportunity to play like more roles other than Captain America, but it also makes me miss him because, like, he is such a good Captain America. But anyways, watching this movie, it's hard to, like, to tell you um, beat by beat what I liked or didn't like about it because he really was 
like just the movie in general, like first and foremost, I'll say it is very obviously a Korean film. Yes. Anybody that has, sure. has watched Korean cinema, it's very obviously a Korean film. There's awesome fight scenes. It's kind of ridiculous. It doesn't pull any punches and it's, right. it's, 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 it's not afraid not to be self-aware. And, like, and it's it's pretty... It's fun. It's I, a fun movie. I definitely got, like... Um, Tilda Swinton plays a character that I don't really know how to describe, but kind of like a dictator. One second. Mm-hmm. Can we just talk about the badassery that is Tilda Swinton? Because... She, she granted, she had some prosthetics on in this movie where I think she had a prosthesis on that were false teeth because at one point her character takes out her teeth and I think the implication is that, like, she's had them knocked out maybe um, by the powers that be. I don't know. Do you remember that? I, I you honestly, pick up on that? I interpreted it as um, the, um, like, the, uh, like, leadership and uh-huh. the vanity of power mm. and, like, life might look great. Uh, in in a leadership role, right. you know, for those that are are in the high castle, mm-hmm. um, because I, honestly, I draw I drew a parallel between her and like um, the North Korean leaders. Oh, um, yeah. Like, like looking at her, she looked in that role. I don't remember what the character's name was that she played. Yeah, but she looked very much like um, Minister Mason. Yeah, she looked like a Kim Jong Un or kind of. You know, yeah, she acted the shit out of this role. Like, it was really impressive. It, she didn't look anything like Tilda Swinton, first of all. Um, she had a fake, n- different nose on, really thick, bug-eyed glasses, these, like, gnarly, false teeth. Like, she looked like a bad guy who you couldn't be sympathetic towards. And I think the fact that she was able to sort of change... Her character goes through, a, like, her character just goes through a lot of changes. Like, she might have, like, the biggest character development throughout the movie... I don't know. They all anyway. I yeah. it's a great movie, and Tilda Swinton's character is probably one of my favorites in the movie. Yeah, honestly, um, you know, like I said, it was it kind of it was disappointing that I had only just now seen it because it is really um, it's a movie that I would suggest anybody go see. The premise is a little um, it's a little outlandish. It's a little fantastic, mm-hmm. however, and the ending is a little fantastic. But yeah, yeah. However. Um, it's still it's one of those movies where like you kind of get into the fantasy of it all. You get into the fight and you want to know like okay, what is this society and what have they built and and how does it continue? And like you want to know more about the world, you want to see more, explore more. So, honestly, like I loved it. I want I want to watch it again because mm-hmm. it's one of those movies where like I was immediately hooked and they do a great job of of bringing you into where the characters live. And making feel making you feel for them, and everyone in the movie is flawed. Yeah, you know there there are none that are flawless, and those that are the closest to flawless are probably the drug addicts. Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, just like the most ridiculous, and and yeah, it does it does what I think most Korean cinema that I've seen um, does, which is punch you right in the gut. Yeah. It makes you feel a little uncomfortable because it makes you kind of like think about yourself. Yeah. But if you're into post-apocalyptic movies, if you're into, I wouldn't even um, say dystopian, it's post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's definitely a movie to go see. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I liked every bit of this movie. I liked how it was directed. I liked what it, what it would, what it did visually. Um, I liked the fight scenes Mm -hmm. and, um, there's this one part where there's this big brawl in the dark against like the the poor community and like the 
powerful communities foot soldiers yeah kind of like the military police yeah, yeah. and uh it, it is it, it's it's good it's got pretty much a little bit of something for everybody yeah i think so um i will definitely be watching it again uh you know whenever yeah. you want whenever we have time but one thing i didn't like yeah go for it i felt like that in most of the scenes like the visual effects were great but there's like one scene. Oh yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. There's like one scene <laughs> where they're like in this room and and they're showing like the something being ground up that's being fed to the poor people, and I was like, that looked like like some of the worst CGI I'd ever seen. Yeah, it's like they blew their whole CGI budget, and then they're like, oh yeah, we gotta we gotta do the thing that's being ground up. <laughs> yeah, it was it was honestly like it was the one thing in the movie where I was like, uh, okay, and it's a scene very early in the film. If you've seen the movie before, you'll probably know what I'm talking about. But, uh, yeah, it was just like – it was so bad. I was like, what was that even supposed to be? Yeah. We have a pretty good TV with really good definition, and it was so bad that it was like – it was like someone drew a really bad cartoon over like a film it, still. It reminded <laughs> me of CGI from The Lawnmower Man. Yeah. Have you ever seen The Lawnmower Man? Yeah. 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 So it's just Like terrible. CGI from the 90s, yeah. early 90s. But like everything else in the movie is beautiful. Like mm-hmm. all the set pieces and, and seeing this world like – um, completely covered in this this eternal winter and like all the the train it's just like it was just so like a, such a weird misplaced CGI it was just like have you ever seen any Terry Gilliam movies yeah like yeah Bris- so Twelve Bris- Monkeys is my one of my favorite movies so this movie reminds me in the way that it feels and the way it kind of makes you feel from the visual experience of like a Brazil or a 12 mm-hmm. Monkeys. Yeah. It's kind of a similar feeling you get after watching it. Yeah. So I'd say if you like those movies, if you've not seen 12 Monkeys or Brazil, get on it. Get your life in order. Get your life in order. They've been out forever. But this is like, if you like those movies, you probably will like at least visually um, and tone-wise this this movie a little bit. Because it's, it's weird. Yeah, it's it weird. definitely has like um, an exaggerated um, like... Uh, populace of like uh, the rich and powerful you know kind of like what somebody's somebody that's very poor what their approximation of wealth would be you mm-hmm. know like it's it's so it's a kind of like a little bit grandiose and a little fantastic but it's honestly there's a very beautiful movie all in all and one that like just I want to watch again and again. Yeah. I just researching this to talk about it more on the podcast and make sure that I was, you know, knew everybody's name, the year it came out, all that stuff. I didn't know it was based off of, I knew it was based off of like, I thought it was based off of like a Korean comic book. I didn't realize that it was a French um, made graphic novel, comic book, whatever you want to call it. So um, yeah, I'm interested in reading that. And now that I know that it's like, I don't know why now that I know that it's French and not Korean, I'm a little more interested. It's probably because I'm not a huge fan of anime. And this is just a failing of my own. I'm ignorant about like Korean comics and how they may be similar or different to Japanese anime. I don't know anything about yeah. Korean But comics. if you know something about like Korean popular culture and Korean comics, uh, and there's one that you think we should check out so that we can become a little bit more informed about that um, that that uh, style of art, let us know, you know reach out um cool so go watch snowpiercer yeah um snowpiercer is a definite like yes definitely watch it snatch is not a bad movie it's a very good movie it's a fun movie i think guys probably would like it more (laughs) um you know uh only because it's 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 pretty like masculine kind of movie um but yeah if you got time and it's easy to get a hold of definitely check it out if you've not seen it before cool well what do we have coming up next so next uh, this is a listener request. 
So we had a couple of listeners. Uh, I can't remember who suggested it first, but several listeners reached out to us because they know that we are both a fan of martial arts and martial arts movies. They're like, oh, you guys should each pick your favorite cheesiest martial arts movie and have the other one watch yeah. it. And I was like, oh, this is going to be hard because like, even though I love martial arts and martial arts movies, I know that I can't touch Nate and the number that I know I've seen. So I was like, oh, this is going to be hard because I feel like whatever I pick, you've definitely seen. And he's like, oh, no, no, not necessarily. And I'm thinking in my mind, like, he's going to pick something like, you know, made in Hong Kong or China (laughs) or Japan with lots of dubbing that's like from the 60s, you know, maybe Bruce Lee, I didn't know, or something that was like trying to be a facsimile of a Bruce Lee movie. I was thinking he was going to go deep into the well. I didn't know that when Nate was thinking cheesy, he meant cheesy. I'm, I'm talking like like when I think cheesy, I think like a Cynthia Rothrock or like like we're we're talking like bad. Yeah, like there was a whole genre of like 80s and 90s yeah. martial arts films that never saw the theater mm-hmm. that just like. Were on HBO or Cinemax, just because they were nonstop. just pumping them out because they knew that people would pay for them and watch them. A couple of bucks to make, yeah. Um, and so in my mind, I'm like, well, I'm going to pick something a little outside of the box. I thought I was going to be like kind of special. I was like, okay, well, have you ever seen the movie Three Ninjas, which is like a children's martial arts movie from the early '90s? And he's like, no, no. And then he comes at me with. Showdown. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, we'll we'll of course talk about it, but um, Billy Blanks. I tried to go as cheesy as possible. He did, and it's bad. It's got uh, Patrick Kilpatrick in it as the main villain. So if you like really terrible actors and really cheesy martial arts films, Showdown. Yeah, I mean Showdown is like like if my cheese. Wait, wait, wait. Save it. Oh yeah, we're gonna save it. We're gonna save this it. This is a yeah. teaser. This is a so, teaser. Yeah, yeah. That, that's up for the next one. So All right, cool. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. As always, you can find us at utilitymuffinlabs.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter um, at Rachel is Science. You can follow Nate and our podcast on Twitter as well. Uh, it's at Hooky Podcast. You can find Nate at all of his 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade stuff. Yeah. Um, utilitymuffinlabs.com. Yeah, go That's there to, go. to find all the stuff. Uh, we really appreciate <clears throat> you guys reviewing us on iTunes. That helps other people uh, who might be interested in this stuff find us. Um, and if, as always, if you have any suggestions or things that you'd like us to watch or review, uh, feel free to reach out and let yeah. us know. Or anything that we can do on the podcast to make it more entertaining for you. I mean, you know, we kind of just do this because we enjoy talking about right. and sharing things. But if there's like something you'd like us to do to improve the podcast or the video, let us know. Um, you know, we're, we're always trying to evolve our video and do a little bit better every time. But it doesn't come naturally to either of us. We're both kind of like learning as we go. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyways, we hope you enjoyed and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hey folks, this is Rachel from utilitymuffinlabs.com. If you enjoyed the Playing Hooky podcast, think about supporting us. For more podcasts, art, videos, and gaming, go to utilitymuffinlabs.com. Follow our podcast on Twitter, at Hooky Podcast, on Instagram and Facebook at our Utility Muffin Labs name. And support us on YouTube at Utility Muffin Labs. Check out our other gaming-related podcasts, 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade and the Nerd Words Podcast. Thank you all for your support. Utility Muffin Labs, consistently rated adequate.